For those who remember, for those who will never forget, and for a whole new generation who will experience it for the very first time. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Tonight, we're talking a mishmash of everything from the 501st Legion to a potential Snoke theory all the way to the Phasma book. If Mark's lucky, we might sprinkle some Lego in there. Check out our sponsor, SkywardFunSupply.com, from Funko Pops, the three and three quarter inch figures, and all the way to the six inch black series. SkywardFunSupply.com, your home for all your Star Wars toy needs. My name is Zach Weber. Tonight, I'm joined by Mark. Hello, everyone. Zenger. It would be an honor for you to join us. And once again, returning from the netherworld of the Force, Jim. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> join us as we discuss these topics. So first, let's just, because this is a topic that Zenger wanted to talk about. Jim is a member of the 501st. Jim, can you please tell us a little bit of what the 501st does, or at least your experience with it? Well, the 501st is the, uh, is the official costuming group that started around 1993. Of course, it's grown now. I think last I heard there was 15, no, 11,000 members. Basically, what they do is they're all volunteer organization. They do charity work. You can go to the 501st website and request appearances and fill out the forms and they'll call and verify it and you could have 501st members come out. You can even request characters. So they do anything from hospital visits, like we have local here, we have Children's Mercy. They go twice a week to Children's Mercy. We have two locations here. And uh, if, you know, a charity event such as a Suman G. Coleman walk or a cancer ward, or they even do uh, auction benefits, like they'll auction off an appearance, that type of thing. And they do, and we do small things as small as birthday parties and weddings. Weddings? Uh, yep. There's a current, right now there's one in uh, end of October that they're requesting Vader, two TKs, which are stormtroopers, and an R2 unit. <gasps> oh, man. That's either the best bride or the worst bride ever. There you go. And it's, uh, you know, that in every area seems to have a garrison that you can join in to the one I'm part of here is the uh, 70th explorers there. Uh, okay. They handle the area. They around the Kansas city and they go, there's a part of it's also, there's a, a firehawk division, I guess is out of St. Louis. And then we carry out into uh, Kansas. And then there's another one in the Northern other States too, but that just happens to be the garrison I'm part of. Cool. Um, y- y'all have like Boba Fett uh, cosplayers too, right? Because I, I, I yes, heard- yes, we do. We have um, this particular area is kind of lucky, and I think other areas have it. Of course, I haven't been to many other areas. We have 501st members, but we also have uh, Mandalorian Mercs costuming group members here, and then we also uh, have Rebel Legion here too. Nice. So we've got the groups, and I think there's even a couple other splinter groups that are. The one thing that's really nice about the 70th Explorers, this particular group, is everybody is very friendly, very helpful. They want you to join. They want you to participate. They want you to ask questions. They'll help you with anything you possibly need to get your costume done. They're just an extreme wealth of knowledge. Do they uh, <laughs> do they provide you with any like financial help for a costume or anything like that? <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of doubt it, but I'm just curious. No, they don't. But what they'll do is they'll give you, they'll volunteer their time for you. And nine out of times out of ten, somebody in the group 
it can point you in the right direction to get you set up with what you need or help you do it. And, uh, and, uh, basically they have what they call armoring parties where everybody will get together and work on their costumes. And Ah. uh, that's a good way to pool knowledge. And, uh, as I said, everybody's friendly. So, I mean, I don't have any issues with it. It's, it's a lot of fun and it's a good way to get what you need. If you need something in particular, like I had to, you saw the pictures of my, uh, Web, my prop I had to get taken care of. Right. Well, that was that was done by the uh, Bill Holmes, who's the uh, Rebel Legion leader out of out of the local here. And he literally did that weapon, mocked it out from white and orange in twenty five minutes. Wow! Oh, if didn't have, if you take out dry time, he was done with it inside of twenty five minutes. Uh, and that's now, just, that's an example. Okay. Now you're not a, now they're not expecting your costume to be like, you know, like 100% legit. Like uh. in other words, like they're not expecting. It, well, what, what I'm trying to say is that they're not expecting it to be like, oh, you gotta make sure that your your costume's at least worth a hundred. I mean, a thousand dollars. Or you know, or it has to be at least two thousand or something. If it looks like it's less than that, then we won't accept you. It's not like that. All right. Oh. It's not it at all like that at all. They you there's the on the five hundred and first site, uh, Vader's Fist, the official site. You can go into the CRL, which is the Costuming Reference Library, and they've mm-hmm. got all the approved costumes. And, oh, so, uh, so but there's so there's a list of, of, of right. Approved, oh, there's of a huge, there's a huge list of approved characters. Oh, now, characters. If you're talking about the Rebel Legion, I'm not in the Rebel Legion, but it's the same type of thing. They have uh, they have the reference library, and that's what the 501st members who approve you will reference. They will go up there and pull the like I I did the Black Imperial Staff Officer, so right. they pulled up the CRL and looked at my costume and compared it. And they have people who make adjustments. It doesn't matter the amount of money you've got in it. You could have 50 bucks in it, or you could have three thousand dollars as long as it's accurate for what they're allowing and uh sometimes there's adjustments that have to be made to it my costume i got lucky i got approved the first time around gotcha so like for example like me like i i have a a kylo ren costume for halloween i have the uh black series uh kylo ren helmet i bought and then you know the um the actual uh costume itself i got from um target and um you know and then i just have i just put on black pants and and then black shoes i mean would that would i be approved or i mean or you'd have to look it depends how how it compares to the crl the costuming library and then they'll have you make adjustments like there's certain rules with uh my officer's uniform they had me uh you could have zippers on the on the inside that they prefer no zippers uh right certain requirements for each little thing like the the rank bar and the code cylinders and the hat and the belt they all have guidelines in there and it spells out what you can have and what you can't have i, I see hmm. i would suppose that i may ha- i would if i were to actually make an effort to join i'd have to probably get like black boots uh, that you know that go up to like the knee or whatever um because um i think that's more movie accurate um than what i'm what I have currently. Well, what um, you do is you what you do is you go to the website, find out who the contacts are, 
And then you can also find out what their events are, what they're doing, and show up at their events. Uh, and as I said, they're very pleasant and say, hey, I'm interested in, in, in joining the 501st. And they'll, they, gave you, they gave me a business card of somebody. I don't remember who it was. And then it, uh, you, know, you show up to the events. And then uh, I went to, I think, two events. And I got invited to an armoring party. And that's where Ooh. I started narrowing down my costume. And then the nice thing is, I was a little overwhelmed with the whole thing, but there was a couple people there. They'll walk you through it. You can send, you can talk with them and they go, yeah, that'll be approved. That's not approvable. You need to change this, that, and the other thing. It's not all negative. They always, always help point you in the right direction. Zanger, did you have any questions about this? My thing was when I was at the Mothman Festival um, the other weekend, um, they had the 501st there. And they also had something interesting. I did not know this. There's apparently a Ghostbusters version of the 501st. Oh, cool. That's cool. I did not yeah, know they, that, but that's cool. And they had them there, too. They had, um, it was Garrison Corellia and Garrison Tyrannus. Tyrannus is Virginia, Corellia is West Virginia, and they had them there. And cool. I, I, I did an interview with two of the women from there. Um, one of them, I know she did Boba Fett. The other one does the bounty hunter that Leia is for Return of the Jedi, oh. and... And they, they were really fun to talk to. And I was talking to them after I got done doing the interview and everything. And they were telling me to, they're like, have you had any interest in joining? I said, yeah, back when I went to Celebration, it was something I was seriously thinking about. But I just kind of floated out of my mind. And then they were like, you should just get an officer's uniform. They're really yep. easy to start out with. They're very simple. And they said that it's, it's a great way to get in to it so that, that was just why i was like well maybe we should talk about that because I, I just wanted because i knew that that you did an officer uniform so i was just wondering yeah you know is that is is are there other ones that you want to work on or is just the officer one good for you right now i want to be a, i want to be a stormtrooper that's my whole goal so uh, is there like a particular type of stormtrooper or just like sand trooper because they had a shore trooper there and just some right 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 oh yeah they uh i would want to be a new hope Stormtrooper, that's what mm -hmm. I want to be. I, I, as I said, I started getting into this and I got overwhelmed because some of them costumes are expensive, but you yes. can get the Anovas. You know, as the Disney has the official license, I think Disney owns Anovas or they've got it with them, and you can buy the plastics. It'll be the raw plastics that have to be cut down to you for four hundred and fifty dollars right now. Okay, that because Ellie and me were looking over this stuff, and I was like, hey, it says right there that it's four hundred and fifty. And then I went, um, and then I went, I wonder why it's so different. Cause one was 450. The other was like a thousand. So the other one is uh, the one is 450, and then there's a 450 and then there's a 650 version of it. And that comes with the soft goods, all the, the undersuit and all that. But everybody, and I've talked to my garrison about it and they said, Jim, the armor's fine. A lot of our TKs are have a novice costumes. The only problem with the novice is. I guess they've gotten better about it. There have been delays in shipping with Anobis, but apparently that's been fixed in the last six months. The one you saw for like $1,800, that's a completed ensemble. They'll have it all done for you. All you got to do is put it on. For the 450, huh. which is, yeah, the 450, which is interesting, is that comes with the complete accurate helmet at $250. So really, in essence, the rest of the plastics only cost you $200. Interesting. And basically, yeah, so on my officer, Zanger, officer uniform came from Cosplay Sky. It's the deluxe version. And the reason I went with the deluxe version is because it is known to be 501st compliant. 
and the cost of that was uh, $100, and I paid to have the extra $27 to have it uh, with my measurements in it. And uh, like $127 plus shipping, I had it inside of three weeks. Hmm. Now, could you're, you're, you're the Imperial officer, staff officer, which is the black, correct? Right. And then there's the, is it, is it olive or gray? I've seen it listed there's as two. both. There's two and there's both. There's olive and there's gray. That's great. The gray and, uh, is the like the more rank, the higher ranking officers, correct? Right. The newer movies. Right, right, right. Like Grandma Tarkin is gray. Yeah. Um, now, like General Veers, we just had a guy, Bill, who I mentioned, he bought the olive uniform and it is... He's a, he's a General Veers from Empire Strikes Back. Cool. So it, for, for that, do, would you have to wear a hat or do they not? Is it for, for the officers, is that required, the hat, or can you go without it? The hat, if you're, well, if you're just at a regular troop, probably not. But if it's an official sanctioned Star Wars event, which mm-hmm. there are some of them, you only uh, compliant approved costumes are allowed. But like on a regular huh. troop. Like like a regular troop, say you went and did, they did a uh, at the local animal shelter. Lots of people wear costumes that aren't approved yet, but they're working on getting approved, and the local garrison's okay with it as long as it's not you know you know if it's something that's in the works. Like we have one that's doing a ray that's not compliant yet, but she's wore it to a couple events. I didn't know if you had to do the hat or not too for that. Or... If you're if you're an imperial officer, you're probably going to want to wear the hat. Cool. I, I, like I said, I mean, I figured since, since you were one, that's kind of what I'm eyeballing as my first one. I right. love to exactly. do Starkiller, personally. Yes. Yes, but that's a cool. I'd have to shave my goatee, and I'm like, I can't do that. So there is a costume where he has part of his face covered. That's great. And, and the thing is, my rank bar, the rank bar you can get on SD for 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the hat, you can shop around and get that made. The... And this is all things that people have told me. The boots are pleather boots. They're they're forty bucks. On uh, all you gotta do is search Amazon, and then I think that's it because you've got the costume. The, oh, and the code cylinders. The code mm-hmm. cylinders in the sleeves are just chalk. You know, they're uh, chalk holders with the tops painted blue. So you can pick them up for a two pack on Amazon for thirteen dollars and ninety nine cent. And just paint the top blue, and that is considered. They will let that go. They will consider that okay. I went ahead and upgraded to the uh, replicas from. I got them on SD out of a guy in Italy. I didn't want because cool. I didn't have coat cylinders. I didn't have the paint. I just wanted to do it once. Then you got to have the little disc on the hat and the little disc on the belt. You get those from Elvis Trooper. Uh, they're both like seven fifty a piece. The belt buckle is a two dollar and seventy three cent belt buckle candy. That's got to be sanded down on a belt sander. Then you take the the belt blank they've got, the two-inch wide belt blank, and dye it black. I got help with all that from my garrison. They helped help me do it so I wouldn't screw it up and so it would be compliant and would be accurate. So, as I said, they're a big help. Well, well thanks for that information. I mean, like I said, I'm in passing, meaning 501st <laughs> people every now and then it's stuff, and I figured since on the podcast it would be cool to you know just have that as discussion because i know if i were searching for something to listen to it would be interesting to hear you know something from somebody who's in the 501st and they and, and every time i've talked to them they've been the most friendly in the world oh, they're such the nicest people. they are such the nicest people they really they're very welcoming they let you in their home they let you drink their beer they're like <laughs> your best friend just to come 
it's it, but I mean it really is a neat experience. And anything you need, anything at all, somebody knows where to get that or has an extra one laying around. Here's a good example of what we had. The um, our Darth Vader, Richard, uh, also got himself a Shadow Trooper costume. And it was uh, third hand and he got it and they were working on the plastics and he had his weapon. They literally were walking out the door to go eat dinner. Everybody was upstairs and Richard had his weapon and he goes, oh, what about this? Bill literally takes it out of his hand. Goes, oh, we can fix this. Got out his Dremel tool, cut something off, threw something else on it, whipped it around and went back and handed it to him and go, here, you're compliant now. Literally in about 45 seconds. Nice. Do it his, his E911 blaster. And that's just the nice people you're dealing with. Everybody wants to help you. Everybody wants you to succeed. And everybody, I mean, it's in terms well, because, of my. Well, because when, when you're out, everyone wants you to look, you know, they, they want it to look yeah. movie authentic and they want everyone to look good together. Oh, yeah. And and everybody's so supportive of your costume. Every, when I went out, to, they all. You know, on Facebook, you get approved and you get your your ID number. And what you have to do is, which you for your, you it is three nine one zero five. You got it. My lodge is number three ninety one. My Masonic lodge is number three ninety one, and I joined in 05. Okay. Interesting. That's very cool. I didn't know that, that was the or. I just happened to yep. when you were saying stuff earlier, just look up your profile real quick because yeah. they have everyone's stuff and it's got you there in the uniform and everything. So. I, I didn't. I didn't know the origin of the numbering, though. So that's very cool. And everybody chooses your number. Trooper, up. If you're a trooper, yes. isn't it TK? Yes, you're a TK number, and like mine's an ID because I'm an officer. And uh, yeah, that's how it works. And what else? There was something I was going to say that. Oh, I can't remember what I was going to say. But everybody makes over your costume, and everybody when you get d- dressed in costume before you go out in the event, everybody looks everybody over. Make sure everybody's got everything the way it's supposed to be, and everybody needs to help with a zipper or a clasp or a like the Mandalorians can't zip themselves up, and they can't. They need help with getting everything on and off. And the TKs, the TKs are as a rule of thumb, are all those people who wear the TK costumes are very self sufficient, except for occasionally on their shoulder armor pops free. Yeah, it's a zanger. If you've got any questions at all, you want. Oh to- no, I I will probably be bugging you very soon. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It is- and the neat thing about it is, this is the neatest thing. Besides watching the smiles with the kids, the adults are the same thing. But the neat thing about it is, when you're trooping with everybody and everybody's in costume, it's great because it's Star Wars. Well, but you you are the rock star. You are it. All eyes are on you. Well, I was going to ask. I was going to ask this. Do you play your character, too, when you are in costume? I mean, I don't know if that's a requirement or not. It, I, I'm it, sure they, they prefer it, but I, I just feel like like if I'm in an officer uniform and I have stormtroopers, I'll, I'll snap and be like, you two with me or something oh, like it, that. And that's it. They, uh, you, you stand a certain way in an officer's uniform, and I don't do that. You have to. It's a physical act for me. I have to throw my shoulders back with my arms behind my back, mm-hmm. and, I wa- and I walk a certain way. And then occasionally you'll get the little kids that are scared or somebody will give you a lip and you'll stop and click your heels together and you'll look down at him and go scan docs or something like that. Or, you know, or, uh, uh, are you a loyal Imperial citizen? But as a rule of thumb, what's been happening is sometimes people want you to smile for pictures. Other times people want you to look, play your part. And it's, and that, and that's, you just feel that out what people want. 
Cool. Um, I was just wondering about that because I know that most of the time, you know, the stormtroopers and Vader's normally are playing the part for the most part and everything. And yeah. and I and I know that there's a picture up of uh, my daughter with one of the sand trooper. No, not shore troopers from the yep. recent thing. And and he was, it was funny. Cause, cause he, he like did the picture and we we're like, you dude, you're awesome. You know, thank, thank, thanks for your service. And he like turned around and he went, no problem guys. And it was just, it was so weird to hear like a very positive attitude coming out of oh, a stormtrooper. It's fu- Yeah. And it's, and what's neat about it is a lot of them have the voice changers mm-hmm. really funny about the TKs is they can't see. Oh, I've, I, can't. I was told that. Too. And the, uh, the Vaders have a trouble seeing, and the Imperial and the Imperial Guards have trouble seeing, and the Mandos do too. <laughs> and uh, but, you know, and that's why they have handlers or other like me. I'm I'm in a soft costume, so I can keep an eye out for things. But oh yeah, it's people are so much fun to be around. It's you know, it, it's just something fun to do. I wanted to join in '93, but I, I just lifetime and being busy. Oh no, I like I said that was back. Our Star Wars celebration with Star Wars the five the one where it was in orlando and both the 501st and the rebel legion because I, I i already know if, if i do rebel legion exactly what costume i'm going to do it, what is it and, and it's it's going to be and this is a really obscure one and i'm once again going to talk about clone wars zach don't get too excited not that clone wars <laughs> um the clone wars animated one where it was kenobi where he had his Jedi robes intertwined with stormtrooper armor. Right. That's the one where they battled all those IG 88s. Yes. Yes. That one, that is the, if, 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 if I'm in the rebel Legion, that is the one I am doing or the rebel Alliance or whatever it's called. That's the one I want to do. And as for five Oh first, like I said, I think I'm going to do Imperial to start and then kind of see where I want to go from there yep. as, as something. Yep. Like I want to do a, uh, a Mandalorian, and one of yeah. the guys here, one of the guys here, is working on a second Mandalorian, and it's it's fantastic. It's he's just you just get in with people with the gift, and that's all you can say it is, and the love of it, and you, you know, it's just it's neat. And there, we have a couple, we have a couple costumes that are just absolutely. We have a Hera that is absolutely spitting perfect of Hera. It's amazing, and uh, it's just neat the dedication. And I said it's just a nice, pleasant group of people, at, at least in my garrison. They're all tremendous. I don't have any issues with anybody in my garrison at all. Yeah, like, like I said, I just wanted to bring up this topic because I thought it would be interesting. And since since I just, like I said, if you want to hear that interview, um, the Mothman Festival 2017 episode of Zing This, do do all the garrisons have like those cool button-up shirts? Yes, the race, they're called, I didn't even know what they were called, but apparently you can order them in the forums. They're called the racing shirts. Yes. Okay. Because um, the one had like just a normal one, but the one from um, Tyrannus, she had a, it was white and it had like the sleep, the top part were, were pink and it was a, um, it was for breast cancer awareness. Yeah. And it was really cool looking. And those, when, when they weren't in costume, they were walking around in those and it was really cool to see that and everything. And I'll take a picture and tweet it out, but there is a exclusive patch they had for Mothman where it had That's like cool. a where it had like the Mothman festival, but it had like a, uh, the death star and a little moth creature thing in front of it. That looks very stitch like, but and it's, it's a lot of fun. Like they had a second Imperial officer. He joined about the same time I did. And he was, he is a college student. His name's Nick. And so he got his, it was his first troop this weekend. And of course it's probably what my eighth, ninth, 10th or 11th one. 
So it was neat to have two Imperial officers walking with TKs. It was a lot of fun. But normally, normally it's just me. It was just neat having another Imperial officer. It was fun. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you. I, I'm, I'm thanking you on here for, for doing that. that. That's very cool and definitely was very... What yeah. would you want to do if if you were able... Like, like if money was not an option, what character would you do for the 501st? Uh, I'd probably do uh, Kylo Ren. Uh, I'm not a huge cosplayer, so I'm a little bit out of the loop on this. Lame. I know, lame. Uh, I'm trying to think, who would I want to be? I really... I. If, if 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 difficulty wasn't an issue, I don't know. I, I really like death troopers, but I feel like that'd be really work intensive. Well, I well, I said I said money and time making it's not an option. Who would you be? I don't know. I, I stuff like I, well, I know like I do do some like um, like I have like models I read like I touch up like X wings. I know the work that goes into doing something that small. How much time it takes? So I can only imagine like trying to fabricate like a, a death trooper costume. Never mind like how Jim described trying to like make the weapon appropriate for that i i don't know i, I just look at it and go oh dear lord like, it's, it would be fun yeah but i feel like after like spending how many weeks at it i'd be like you know what i'm physically exhausted it's not worth the reward but to see the smile on those kids faces oh yeah, yeah it'd be really great to be a death trooper and just like garble on their faces <laughs> what do you do what do you yeah. it's like it's like a, a, a garbled noise in their face like, that's not a fun star wars character well, I, I don't I like a, it. <laughs> well, I, well, I have a question for Jim. Like, I, I have not gone through the database, or I forget what you called it, Jim, with all the, the CRL, ideas. CRL. 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 Okay. Is there a character or a costume that's considered the most difficult, or something that's so infrequently done nobody touches oh, upon it because of the difficulty? The one that I don't think I'd ever touch ever because I'm not tall enough anyway. But just the care that goes into it is the Rebel Legion, or maybe be maybe 501st is the Chewbacca costume. Oh. oh. Never, that, never thought about that. We have a Chewbacca costume. We have a... I, he, would, he was at the Royal... Zanger, you can search it. It's in, Or anybody can search it. It's at the uh, Royals Day at the K, Star Wars Royals Day at the K. They, I heard... And they and someone mentioned it. I was standing in the room. We were getting ready for our troop. And I wasn't at that event, but it was after that. And someone said all the individual hairs had to be put on that costume. Oh, my God. So if you search it, fun. You get back there. Well, it, again, it's just dedication. It's uh, you know, it's if that's what you really want to be, you know, like we have Tuscan Raiders in ours and Jawas and all that stuff. And, you know, just what you want to do. And the neat thing about it is the five they'll let you do whatever you want to do. It's what they ask you. What do you want to be? And they'll help you get whatever it, it needs to be. I want to be a real boy. There you <laughs> go. Can you be Pinocchio? Is there a Pinocchio in the five hundred first? <laughs> no, he's not in the no. CRL. He's not in the CRL. Oh, the uh, we're lucky. We have uh, we have two Vaders and another Vader to be. Bruce is uh, he's six five. He's getting ready to his costume's just about done, and uh, he will. Uh, he's six five, so he will be a great Vader. In addition to our other two, our other two Vaders are fantastic too. They're amazing. Richard's great, and I think Tim's the other guy. One thing that's really neat, like with with Richard. When he's invader, like I was an officer, if you look at my, that's him in my Twitter pics. You know the uh, ones I've got on my my uh, my you know my profile pic and all that. And he uh, he stopped, handed he said basically had my phone to my daughter and he said, and, they, and he said play along with me and I did and so he simulated the choking and different things like that. So 
the neat thing is they want you to look good and they want you to succeed. They're always nice. There's no, at least in my garrison, there's no one jealous or infighting or anything. All right. So moving on to our next topic, which Zenger doesn't want to talk about, but I, we have to flirt with it at least mm. because I really like it. Uh, sorry, Zenger. We had we had to at least flirt with the topic, and, and Jim had okay, to watch I, the video, right? I, I I love that I brought this to everyone's attention, and now I'm against it. Yes, that that's the best that's kind of great. ideas. That's great. What what's how's the phrase go? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah, oh. there we go. So, Jim, you haven't watched this video, so we can kind of explain oh, it to you. I have not. Walk All me right. through it. All right, Zenger. Do you want to explain it? Because you want you don't want me to outline what the guy is saying in this. Okay. It's a video right, from Star to, Wars I, Theory. Yeah, I just want to make sure I was giving credit to the right person. Yeah. Uh, so Star Wars Theory did a video, and this guy claims that he has an inside source that has been giving him leaks. I don't know how credible that is. I have watched a lot of the Star Wars Theory stuff. I think he does a good job. But the bullet points I'm going to hit on without trying to spoil too much is Snoke is something from the past. The very, very old past, as in... Um, old Republic era. That's why, once again, that's not canon because apparently he has something to do with the canonicity of that. Events that transpired in the prequels are also going to affect the story going forward. So I guess that's the most simplest way to explain it without revealing too much. But there's a lot at stake, possibly, if this theory is true and if Snoke is who they are claiming he, he is. I, I, I really like that theory. I really I, like it. would make so I, much sense. I like it too, but here's the thing. I don't want to discuss it because I, I, know I'm, I know I'm the one to shoot out theories to discuss stuff like that. But most of mine are either my own theories or stuff that's kind of pieced together. This is so solid that it's like instead of hopping from one stone to another, I can just walk. On, 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 on solid ground. I'm going to have to watch theory. the video now. Okay. <laughs> It's it's seven minutes. So I mean, but there's a follow up one too that kind of explains it. It goes deeper into the the theory and explains the part that I was speaking about about the how the prequels are involved. Yeah. Well, gotcha. I, I, that may, again, it makes a lot of sense because obviously that that whole era is a very fertile story ground, and it's a great way to tie the sequel trilogy into all that. And it will also explain when Lord Emperor Snoke makes all of his comments about, like, I've witnessed the battle between them for this long. The only yeah. thing, though, is that they seem to be very – again, this is where they could be changing Old Republic lore. Is I, that, I think they are. I think that well, this, is, this is the avenue for them to do more movies, well, like yeah. they said in the – but the only thing about this is that it's not, this is the only thing that's going to very it's going to irk the fan base though is that it's not going to be the Jedi versus Sith war the, because they they seem to be wanting to move away from that conflict just as an overall thing with all the the storylines whether it be Rebels or the new movies or any of the new media so that's the only thing I would imagine the fan base will get annoyed with it it's not going to be the Jedi versus Sith in that old Republic era but but interesting thing. No, I've said this theory before on here. The whole that um, that Palpatine was preparing the galaxy. If this theory is true, then yes, he was trying to maybe save the galaxy. And if they make a reference to that, I will get up and cheer at that moment in the theater. <laughs> well, it depends, though, because it really... I don't know what Lucasfilm's opinion on the Empire is. Because the other day, I guess this gets into the part where I want to talk about the Phasma book. 
is that I can't, it seems like Lucasfilm is trying to make us sympathetic to the Empire in a weird way. Like, I don't know about you guys, and this kind of goes into your interpretation of Star Wars over the years, but my, I always considered the Empire, or this is what at least Lucas has talked about, they were the Nazis. They were the Nazis of World War II. They were the fascists. They tried to control everything, yeah. even going to how they dress and kind of behave. Obviously, stormtroopers are called stormtroopers based on World War II. And a lot of the guns are guns from World War II. The props that they use are just yes, modified. Um, yeah, modified. Exactly. Even Vader's helmet is based off uh, the part of the uniform, the helmet of a Nazi stormtrooper. So it's just I, I, that's how I always interpreted the, the the Empire. But as time and time goes on, I'm not again. This is not condemning or condoning. It's just an observation. The more and more we keep seeing things about the Empire, whether it be uh, this is going more into the books than anything, but like Inferno Squad, which I, I love, is that they make the characters seem like, again, they're, they're doing their duty, but they're very much aware the Empire is doing bad things all the time. Like, I love how in every single new Star Wars novel where the, the Death Star blowing up Alderaan is mentioned, every single time it's an Empire or an Imperial protagonist, they always can see that that was bad. And that's the one thing I think is so weird because it's kind of like... I, I, I get it's kind of like, oh God, how do I, I'm trying to, I have to be really careful, because I feel like I'm, I'm stepping in hot water. They're making every single Imperial out to be sympathetic, outside of Darth Vader and the Emperor. Darth Vader and Emperor are completely evil to the core. But, and that's the one thing that just makes it weird, though, because, I, I don't know, though, because they, they're definitely in the position of saying, oh, the Emperor might have been a good guy, relatively speaking, considering, to, considering what Snoke might be doing out during this, the 20 years of the Galactic Civil War. And that's, and that's why your theory makes sense, Zinger. It's that they could be positioning it that way. Because they're, they're definitely trying to take the sting out of what the Empire has done over the last 20 years of canon years and 40 years of Star Wars fandom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, 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 don't, I mean, like I said, we're not trying to side with the Empire. But I, I think humanizing them is very interesting to do. Is to humanize, you know, that not every person was you you know they like um oh my gosh i'm forgetting her name the main protagonist of the of inferno squadron she was raised thinking that this that the empire is order that it is what keeps the galaxy together these rebels are chaos and they must be stopped because they are going against something that has brought so much good to the galaxy in her opinion because she was raised in an area that saw the benefits of the Empire. Yeah, that. Did you read Inferno Squad? Not yet. I just know the basis of the story. Uh, all right. This this will give you a little bit of heads up with that, though. They definitely, even though, yes, they do bad. Inferno Squad realizes they have to do bad things sometimes. They are not portrayed as out and out bad guys in that book. They are not, in the sense of, they realize what they're doing is wrong constantly. And they kind of don't, again, with thinking much like how I was saying, they, without condemning or condoning what their their orders are, they're not thrilled with a lot of what they have to do. There's they they are not, yeah, they, they're that's one thing I don't like. I do not like the good or the bad guys constantly being humanized. That's a good term for it. Mm-hmm. I don't. I want my villains to be deliciously evil. I want them to be mm-hmm. the emperor. I love the fact that the emperor is just so giddy about killing people. I love that. Like. Not to mention Lords of the Sith, but there's a great point in that book where the Emperor is about to kill a little girl, and Vader stops him, 
and something something happens. They get brought back to the little girl's village, and they're all kind of like in awe of Darth Vader, just because like how he looks. And spoiler alert for Lords mm-hmm. of the Sith: they the Emperor and Darth Vader actually they're they're saved because somebody I forget somebody something saves them at this at this little village. And like the like the last moment of the book is the Emperor turns around, and goes, "You cut, you cut, do it, Lord Vader." And Vader's like, "What?" And he goes, "You have to kill them all now." But master, you made me. You, you saved one little girl for five minutes. Now you have to wipe them all out. And the book ends with Vader like slaughtering an entire village. And like that's what I want for my Star Wars villains. Mm-hmm. I want them being evil. I, I, I not everybody has to be evil. I'm not saying that, but I want the villains to be villainous, and they should be not like reluctant anti-heroes who are only doing this because we need a bad guy in the story for the moment. Um, everyone's in silence. Or oh no! I was, just, I was just thinking about that part. I'm like, I can't uh, say anything. I'm, 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 a, I'm a little confused, Zach. So, so you're saying you want? Uh, do you want a I bad want guy that, that that has like uh, moral? I want or, or I want a villain that's a, that that doesn't is not thinking about their decisions in a moral sense. They've made their decision. Like, like I, if you're doing a story about like stormtroopers, like I don't know. It's like kind of like a slice of life, like two stormtroopers have to like rescue a little girl or something. Kind of like the infamous forces of destiny, where they're like they're taking the poor little girl's cat, and maybe a stormtrooper's like, "Oh, maybe we shouldn't be taking this little girl's cat." Like that, I like I have no problems with. It's like okay, it's one very small part of the empire. Then you have Inferno Squad, who's supposed to be like the SEAL Team Six. Of, of the Empire, and everything they do, they're questioning mm. the moral dilemma of their mission. It's like, no, I don't want that. Like, let them, like, and like I said, I like Inferno Squad. I like both the book and the characters of, of the actual team. But it's like, I want bad guys. Straight up bad guys. I do not want this, oh, wow, the Emperor was trying to do, the Emperor was trying to actually protect the galaxy. He wasn't really a bad guy, despite the fact he's liable for billions, if not trillions of deaths. It's, it's just that To be fair, most of those are Gungans. We don't know that for a fact. <laughs> but that's what I mean, though. Like, I, I think that's the problem. Too. Like, I'm not condemning. But the fact, like, again, I always interpreted the Empire as Nazis. You're not condoning, the, you mean. I'm sorry. Um, excuse me. Yes, correct. I got to amend that. No, okay. I'm, I'm going so to stop talking. I'm just going to stop talking. I'm stop talking because I feel like I, if I go any further, I'm going to fall through the ice. No, I mean, you, you bring up a good point, and it's so interesting. The Empire is so interesting. I think it is, it's something that's a more recent thing with this whole growing sort of thing of this, we're getting to see characters that we never thought we'd see in the world of Star Wars, to be honest. We never thought that we'd sit there and, and, and you know, think about, oh, what does an Imperial officer have to go through? What do these stormtroopers have to go through? We never thought of that. And now it's kind of being shown in front of us as like being waved like, hey, Here's some stories that are from the imperial perspective, and they're not all bad people. How does that make you feel on the inside? Weird, right? Yeah. Yeah, that that's fine. I have no problem with that. But the problem is that it's like every single story has that aspect to it. Outside of something, I, 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 the only one I can think of is Lords of the Sith, where you do not have that constant through line of the Empire is not real. Not every the Empire isn't truly evil because most of the people are good. Yeah. The it seems like Lucasfilm has walked away from the Emperor and the Empire being almost exclusively human. There are a little bit more aliens in there as compared to Legends, where except for Thrawn, he was really the only instance. Like I don't know, I just that's one thing where I feel like there's this weird sort of Star Wars revisionist history that just 
it, it's fine. They can do whatever they want. I'm not going to tell them how to run. How to, it's a matter of preference. But it's it's just weird in the sense of what Lucas was trying. To, they're altering what Lucas's original intent was, which in a way is almost as bad as what Lucas did with the special editions versus his original films. To me, nobody has to touch this. Nobody has to touch That's this. Okay. Just tell me if I'm wrong. Like, am I wrong in that? Just looking at it that way, or no? They're they're adding a lot of now to where they're trying to show that you know, hey, this was there. We just didn't have the foresight back then to have this stuff. And as for the Empire, it is normally still strictly humanoid. Is it? It, it normally is. And I mean, minus Thrawn, I think they're all still strictly almost humanoid. The only time I've seen non-humanoids is when they're trying to use bounty hunters or they have informants. Well, I remember the only reason why I bring that up was there was an episode of Rebels. I think it was season one where Ezra is trying to um, his, his friend Rodian, Zebo. <laughs> And Zebo has a thing on the back of his head, and they're trying to like, like Ezra Bridger's parents. And I'm like, I just found that weird. It's like, why would the Empire employ a Rodian? Like that just that doesn't seem like something, especially if he's not anything special. He just seems to be a grunt that does office work. Like that's that's just one example. I think I guess more. if you're behind the scenes, they might not care as much. It's just I guess they present it as only humanoids can be stormtroopers, the, and yeah, officers. humanoids and officers. Officers and stuff. Well, even uh, even with like going back to like in Zenger, you read the aftermath uh, trilogy. Mm-hmm. Even in Empire's End, like the throwaway line they have in there about Thrawn, and it's like the only reason why the Emperor kept him around because of his his, his understanding of the unknown regions. And it's like that that devalues the character of Thrawn so horribly because the whole point, like why Thrawn was there, was because he was this master tactician that no human could really combat. And by just saying, oh, the Emperor kept him around because he knew something that nobody else did, like in the sense of, it's because of his, his heritage, that's the reason why he had nothing to do about his, his understanding of, of the universe. I feel like the value is the character, but I don't know. I, I feel like it's amazing how one line of, one line of dialogue just kind of completely takes the impact of the character out and says, nah, we don't need that. I didn't right. know when we were going to be back into discussion on the show stuff, or, or, or if you needed a ladder for that whole... Oh. No, I'm not. I'm not in the hole. No, I have. I have points in what I'm thinking about. It's just. It's just trying to convey them properly in a way. As, as Mark knows, the Star Wars fan base is like kind of like walking on eggshells. When they are on um, Endor, and the Imperials have sort of cornered them and captured them, they walk outside, and there's a ton of um, rebels with their hands on their heads outside. Uh-huh. There's a guy in a stormtrooper outfit without the helmet on too. Oh, I've never noticed that there's a random guy in a stormtrooper uniform with no helmet with his hands on his head, and I'm like, oh. why is he? I, did did I? Is were they? Did they have somebody undercover and they just never mentioned it? Oh God! Well, I think I think we have our new spinoff film. <laughs> no, but here's it's gonna be very Back to the Future. That makes it even more interesting. It's the guy with the beard that they said is the Rex. Per, oh, is Rex? God, it's so the much. only character that God, has a beard, and it's him in a stormtrooper outfit. If you look to the very corner, he's standing there off to the side, and then he just kind of vanishes during the fight. So that's interesting, and I'm going to bring that up when we discuss Jedi. But I, I just thought that was just I'm like that's so weird. I've never noticed that there's a random person disguised as a stormtrooper that got caught. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at that right now. I see that. I never noticed that either. That's that's new to me for the first time. That's yeah. It's, 
Oh, God. I haven't heard anybody even really talking about that. It, I, I'm surprised the Star Wars Explained guy hasn't even done a video on that yet. Probably because no one notices it. It's so mundane of a like thing to notice in the background. Like I guarantee everyone's going to go, there isn't a guy dressed up as a... Holy is that the same? Is that the same guy? Because the, the guy has a white mustache. Yeah, white he does. I'm telling you, it's supposed to be the... I think it's the same um, guy that they're now claiming is Rex. Oh God, they're gonna sit there ruining. So, so what? He 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 got near stormtroopers for long enough and was like, "I'm sorry, guys, I've got to do this." And then just took a stormtrooper, stripped him, put on his armor, and then stood there and it's like, "This feels right. This feels right." Well, by the way, the there's your there, there's your force detour. <laughs> well, it looks like a biker scout because you can tell by the um, no, the it is, it is, it, it's, it's one of the scout scout troopers. Yeah, if you can tell by the thing on his um, right boot, he's got the the pistol hol uh, holder. Oh, I've never noticed it. Wow. Well, oh, God. Well, I, I, I don't know. Lucas, I feel like they're never going to touch. Again, I don't think they're ever going to do a Back to the Future 2 in that they're going to have the Marty McFly kind of in the background of each of each moment. Oh, my gosh. That would be a – I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know. I, I, I don't, don't feel about that's that. That's how bored they get. Well, they might do. Like this is one thing I've been thinking about because, like, they keep the, like everyone. Go ahead, Zanger. The, no, the closest thing I think we're going to get to that is the um, Star Wars uh, Battlefront storyline is supposed to be from like a different point of view. <clears throat> Maybe it takes place during that battle, but you're not seeing that part of the battle. You're seeing a different like end of it. I think the the um, Battlefront Two Endor mission is going to be very much them showing up late to the battle because it seems like they get there and they're just far enough away removed from the Death Star blowing up, and I think it's going to be them fighting their way through the the remnants of the rebels. I think it's going to be something like that, and then them oh god rendezvousing with all the Grand Admiral race lone thing. Uh, I, that, that's a problem with Lucasfilm, though. It's really hard to pin down what they're going to do because so much of this is in constant motion. That, that's the weirdest thing about talking about Star Wars with some people is that it's like, oh, they're doing stuff during this. Like, like when they did the comic with uh, Obi Wan Anakin training, then they do mm -hmm. stuff during the original trilogy. Now we have Han Solo movie. Then we have sequel trilogy stuff. Then we have the stuff that's like Battlefront Two, which takes place in the gray area between Jedi and Force Awakens. I don't know though. That, that that's one. Like it goes back to like how. Remember how right after Rogue One, everyone was convinced that the Rebels series finale was going to be the Battle of Scarif. Everybody was convinced. You know. Yeah, no and now they're like absolutely not. And the reason why it makes sense because on a continuity level, it would be almost impossible for them to recreate that battle on, telev on television because you'd have to. They'd have to sit there and make sure every single time the ghost pops in and out of frame in that film. Or like, let's say there's one point during. Let, let's pretend that it is. I don't know who's piloting the ghost at that point, but let's just say you do have somebody. They have to make sure, like, oh, at this specific part, you have three blue squadron X wings, and you have gold squadron right here at this specific time. I, it'd be it'd be a gosh, that would nightmare. be a nightmare. Yeah, and I mean it's not undoable. That. It's just saying. I mean, here's the problem though. You're you're dealing with Star Wars fans. No offense, I am one, I understand, but at the same time, you will have somebody go, um, Red Red Six is in this background area here. He was actually here during that scene, and um, 
Yeah, so so this is completely inaccurate. Yeah, that's that's the problem, though. and I think that's why if you do get a, I, I do think we will eventually get the um the rub the ghost version or the ghost perspective on Scarif, but it's well, gonna be in a book where, where they don't have to worry thing. about that. Who says it even matters? Oh, they have to do that. It's it's but, too much of an opportunity. Who says that they're in the ghost? Who says that that that's being piloted by them? The, we won't I know the end of the season. Nah, right. well, I think I think it will be them because there's obviously choppers at the Yavin base. Mm-hmm. Hera is Hera obviously lives through the through the show because she's mentioned in Rogue One. Uh, Kanan and Ezra should die, or at the very least, be incapacitated. Um, I, I would be shocked if Sabine doesn't live just because a female Mandalorian that's a license to print money. Zeb Zeb's disposable, and, and that's it, right? There's there's nobody else left. You are correct. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think we will get the, the, the Rebels crew's perspective, Sans, Kanan, and Ezra on Scarif, just because it's something that's too tantalizing. Plus, as we've seen from the Rebels Season 4 trailer, Hera is in Green Squadron of X-Wings. And uh, again, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty certain that in the Rogue One novelization, Green Squadron is there during the Battle of Scarif. Sure. I'm pretty sure I heard that. I know they're not mentioned in the movie. I don't know about no, books. they're not. But I remember I saw Pablo Hidalgo tweet something saying that Green Squadron. Like I, I don't think he. I don't know if he was surprised, but somebody asked him something. He's like, "Yes, Green Squadron is present. Whether they're engaged in the battle, who knows? Uh, they, they, their their fighters could be in the profundity at one or earlier and then get dispatched later throughout the uh, the battle. But they are there, and I wouldn't be surprised. Like you said, Zenger, maybe Hera's not piloting the ghost. But maybe her X-wing, she, she's leading Green Squadron at that point. I don't know. All right, the thing I was looking up real quick was something on the Mandalorian because I actually found my old Star Wars: The Ultimate Visual Guide, which is completely useless right now. Actually, here the one from the '90s or from the early 2000s. Let me do you guys a favor, real quick. And this is once again great quality podcast stuff right now. Oh, that one. I thought that wasn't what I was thinking. Yeah, but. I mean, it's completely out of date with everything now, but it's Um, got an interesting thing here where it talks about the clash of the Mandalorians and the Jedi, and it said that it had a lone survivor. Does that mean out of that clash or out of all the Mandalorians? Because I thought for a while they referenced that Jango and Boba were the last Mandalorians. That's a Legends thing. Well, I mean, everything in here is completely pointless because it's old and... Yeah, that's outdated (laughs) If that is the case. You know, they they said that. Oh yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember it ever being referenced. Like, is the word Mandalorian ever spoken in a Star Wars film? Nope. Nope. No, not uh, uh, prequels. Yes, they were in the prequels. They were. Yeah, in the prequels? They, they said Mandalorian. I thought. I thought they referred to Django as a Mandalorian warrior. I don't. Uh, I don't know. I might. I might have to challenge that. You know, I, I do remember that there was a. Um, there was an episode in, in the Clone Wars, uh, you know, I think it was like in Kamino, uh, they talked about Django and they said something about that Django isn't a uh, Mandalor- true Mandalorian. Oh, uh, I remember Shadows of the Empire. Remember Shadows of the Empire? We need some member berries for this episode. Remember New Republic? Remember Thrawn back when he, was, he wasn't like in Rebels? Oh, man. Back when Thrawn didn't have red pupils? No, he did. Really? 
Yeah. Well, oh, I can't see it from there. I'm sorry. Oh man, he had he had red. I thought he just had red eyes. He didn't have red pupils. Yeah, he doesn't have pupils. They're just red. That's what I mean. You, I, said, I said back when oh, Ron okay. did not have pupils. Hey, remember when, when when the Emperor came back as a clown and then Luke got that, like, super cool Vader-esque outfit? Remember? Oh, yeah. How can we forget mm. that? <laughs> oh, I looked at the, I found the episode 2 script. There was no mention of Mandalorians. Oh. Uh, I read the Phasma book. The Delilah Dawson's Phasma book. I, I didn't know how to explain. Origin, or is this? Yeah, like, it's where does origin. this take place? It take it takes place. I forget exactly where. I know. I think it's it's after Bloodlines in the continuity in the the Bloodlines novel that is, and it takes place on. Okay, I'm, Phasma spoilers. If you don't want to know anything about the Phasma book, don't listen to this. All right, Chances bye are, guys. <laughs> Uh, no, like, I'm not giving anything away. There's no plot points. There's nothing like, oh man, this is just ruining the last Jedi for me. It's nothing like that. Um, no, the, the plot of it is we have three, we have four major characters. We have obviously Phasma, we have a resistance spy named Vi, and we have a, another four, first order captain called Cardinal, and we have a villager that's telling, is, who's basically our perspective into Phasma's home life called Set. I think Sev. Yeah, Sev. S-E-V. Uh, the book starts off with Vi, the Resistance spy, being captured by Cardinal. The reason why he wants he wants her captured is because he knows that she has information on Phasma. And the reason why she has information on Phasma is that Vi came from the world of Parnassus. I think that's how I'm saying it. Uh, Parnassus being Phasma's home planet, where this woman, Sev, was part of Phasma's tribe, and basically, however the story goes, uh, Brendo Hux, General Hux's father, crash lands, crash lands on Phasma's planet, and Phasma wants to get off the planet along with some of her people. They kind of have a very Lord of the Rings-esque adventure where they have to travel to the Elder Hux's crash ship, and all these things happen where we kind of learn about Phasma. Well, basically, it's basically everything you knew about Phasma, it's just confirmed. Phasma is this cold... A heartless warrior who does ends justify the means with her, but we do learn that she's willing to basically. She has no allegiances, which ties into that that new Phasma comic. She's basically willing to side with whatever side that's going to win, and mm. eventually that's yeah, that's basically what it is. And they, and they and they go across the whole thing, and the reason why this first order captain Cardinal wants information on Phasma is that he wants to get rid of her because he because they. Uh, Cardinal helps train the First Order recruits. He basically takes them from when they're, they're children up until about, I'd say, they're, they're in their early teenage years. And then from basically teenage years on to adults, Phasma trains them. And ever so since Fa- go ahead. do they explain like how they like what what's the process of becoming, I guess, a new store or one of the news versions of the Stormtrooper? They uh, abduct you as a kid. Uh, that's part of it. It seems like they do a lot of recruiting on on um i guess unknown region worlds or outer outer rim they'll go to planets that the the new republic has, has kind of forgotten or are or really aren't getting any sort of attention and going hey we can promise you a better life if you give us all your children and they basically take the they, they take the children and they weed out which ones are um are obviously the the good ones and which ones aren't in the sense of how they can perform as soldiers that's basically there's that's that's another part of the element of i feel 
they're not sanitizing the bad guys, but they make it sound like, oh, the First Order doesn't really kidnap children that much. They go to destitute planets and offer the kids a better life. And just and they do make a big point of saying our, our, the character of Cardinal's like, oh, my life was horrible on Jakku. Uh, my life was nothing until the Elder Hux brought me on board. And then my life, he gave my life meaning. And just a little bit of, of character context for Cardinal. Cardinal is a this is what, he's an interesting villain in that he sides with the bad guys, but he's a bad guy. Again, he's he, in the sense of he believe he follows the rules. He has a very black and white sense of the rule book. In that there's no cutting corners, there's no ends justify the means. You do everything by the book and nothing less. And he and he mm. drinks the Kool Aid hard for the First Order, to the point where because the book basically takes place all over flash, uh, flashbacks as the Resistance spy gives all the information to him. And numerous times over this story, she tries to recruit him because she can see that he becomes disillusioned with the First Order, in the sense of he believes in it, but he's. He believes in the First Order more than the First Order believes in itself, if that makes any sense. Because we learn that uh, Captain Phasma killed the Elder Hux at the behest of the Younger Hux. And he learns that from the Resistance spy and actually goes to General Hux, the one that we know from The Force Awakens, and says, Oh, I have proof that Captain Phasma killed your father. And he goes, of course, I'm the one who told her to do it. And he's kind of just gobsmacked going, what? He goes, I loved your, Cardinal says, I loved your father. Why, why did you do this? Well, my father, it's also alluded to, you probably know Zenger from the Aftermath books, that the elder yeah. Hux treated the younger Hux horribly. Yeah. And, and that's why he wants that he wanted his father killed. And so we have this moment where they're supposed to, and the whole point of this book is like building up to this meeting. Cardinal keeps talking to the resistance spy, like, I need everything by this meeting. If I don't have stuff by this meeting, because apparently everybody's going to be at this meeting, except for Snow. Kylo Ren's going to be there. Phasma's going to be there. Obviously, Hux the Younger's going to be there. And so eventually the resistance spy gives Cardinal the, the evidence he's going to need to show that Phasma was responsible in Hux's death. Only to get to the meeting, and he's not allowed in. <laughs> it's really, it's this really weird anticlimactic moment. Like everything's building toward this meeting, and eventually he's just not allowed in because Hux doesn't want anybody knowing that he killed his father. And so you have that, and the whole time, like he's having this like mental crisis or this like crisis of identity where he doesn't know what to believe anymore because it's like he goes, he believes in the first order, but the first order isn't what it's claiming to be. And so the, the climactic battle of the book is Cardinal finally confronts Phasma, and, and Phasma is being Phasma at this point. And she, again, she's completely who she is with the chrome armor. And they have a fight with the stun batons, the, the, the infamous traitor stormtrooper from the, first, uh, from the Force yeah. Awakens. Yeah, they have a fight. And she easily dispatches him. He's, he's, he's by no means... That, that's one thing I feel like, and once again, we're kind of propping up the Phasma character. It's kind of alluded to that they are kind of... Except, except for the fact that this guy is very much a... has a black and white sense of morality. They're very similar in their fighting tactics and stuff. It, not fighting tactics, but just how they train, their, train the recruits of the First Order. And she easily beats him, which is... You can see it coming from a mile away, but it's a little disappointing. But the thing that is fun is that he does, earlier in the book, lets the Resistance spy go, because she does give him the information that he wants. He gives, she gives him the evidence. So Vi's escaping through the ship, and she finds him kind of bleeding out in the middle of this training room where they had their fight, and she rescues him. And it's, it's ambiguous to a, set, to a certain point, though, but he actually he lives 
both her, the resistance spy, and Cardinal survived the events of the book. So he hmm. could the two of them could show up. I mean, I doubt they're gonna show up in the last Jedi, but they are definitely out there in the ether when it comes to Star Wars stories. And just as probably everybody's wondering, Phasma, they, they do give a physical description of what Phasma looks like at the very end of the book. And it's outside of some scarring, she's going to look identical to Gwendolyn Christie. They make a big point of saying she has blue, vibrant blue eyes, and she has a, a she, I don't want to say a mop, but she has, she has blonde hair. So there, there's, there's, I know some people were hoping she was going to be like a chiss. Where she's got the blue skin and the red eyes, a female chess warrior. They're not doing that at all. She's going to be a humanoid with with blonde hair and blue eyes. So th- that that's another element that's a little disappointing, but I don't think yeah. that's the fault of the author. I think that's a Lucasfilm story group decision, not the author's decision. Well, that's interesting. I mean, oh, it's interesting. It definitely I, gives a little bit more to a character that who knows how much we're going to learn about her. I don't think there's there's that much more to learn about her. I think this book, outside of maybe I, I meant, with, the within the within the movies. Oh no, you're never gonna get you're not gonna get any of this in a movie because and that's why you're because I was reading the book and I was shocked at how much they were laying out the groundwork of who Phasma is and I'm like oh this is it's shockingly straightforward especially for a character like Phasma and it wasn't until about three quarters through I'm like oh that's why they're doing this because they're never going to go over this in any of the movies. So I and they they might go over it in the forces of destiny or like they're doing with the comic they might go over it but in a the mainstream movies or the episodes uh uh-uh. uh you're you're you she's gonna be the like outside of maybe a moment in episode nine where we get to see her death or or maybe her escape or maybe her her turning because they make it very loud and clear she goes to whatever side that's going to win so she is basically Boba Fett two point if, if I may be so bold to make that statement, because no. she, well, no, no, because she's a character that the only reason Boba was working for the Empire within the movie continuity was because they were paying him. That's the only reason he was there. That's the only reason he was at Jabba's is because that's who was paying him at the time. I'm sure if somebody could offer, I'm sure if on Bespin, if somehow they offered him more money. To just get to just get lost and not do anything with Han if the Empire wasn't involved. Like just let's just say hypothetically, Boba Fett showed up at Bespin and he was the only person there and he was trying to capture Han. And Lando went, Hey, I'll pay you double. I'm one hundred percent sure Slave One would have been flying off with a giant wad of cash. And he would have just been like, Whatever, couldn't find him. Sorry, J- sorry, sorry, Jabba. Because I, I, I just I just see that's that's the character of Boba, is he kind of he has his his loyalty is to whoever pays him, or whoever pays him the most. Uh, I we don't know enough about that character. If we had a Boba Fett book that does the same thing with him that the Phasma book does yeah. with Phasma, I would I would argue with you. But considering we don't have that, I but the problem is I'm going to point out my own flaw in the extended universe stuff. It has pointed out a few more things that that that, that he isn't that way, but. I, I don't know. I just feel like, like I mean, this this character seems interesting, especially since she it's been established in the books at least. They're gonna have to somehow establish it. I think in the movies that she is kind of somebody who goes to the highest bidder or go, I, goes no. go, goes to the side that, that that that's gonna win. She she's she's a fair weather fighter. Well, she seems to be. I, I don't know. This is a weird. Like as I was reading the book. 
this is a really weird disconnect because like, a- like obviously after you read 370 pages of Phasma's backstory, I'm trying to rationalize or reconcile what I just read to her actions in The Force Awakens, which really is the only thing we have else to continue her story outside of the comic. And it doesn't exactly line up because in the book, like, I don't want to say she's a mercenary. That- that's not the right term. But it's just Phasma is a fighter. She doesn't go down without a fight. And they make that very loud and clear in the book that she's that, that, that she's always willing to sit there and fight. Like she like, like I said, without getting specific, she is. Uh, she puts her money where her mouth is. But you look at what happens in The Force Awakens, the Phasma of Delilah Dawson's book, I cannot imagine being intimidated, never mind surrendering to Han Solo, Chewbacca, and Finn. I, I I can't I can't imagine it. This is the kind of, I can't imagine that Phasma is not that type of character, and that's what makes me question how much more backstory are we going to get. Like, I do think Phasma is going to be very kick ass in the last Jedi. They have to redeem her for mainstream audiences. I, I, like I said, I don't know. I, I I like obviously I prefer the Phasma of the book just because she's given something to do, or at least it, it makes you not even rationalize. I, I don't think she's that deep of a character in that sense, but. There's one last tidbit I think you'll appreciate, Zane, because you're always talking about her armor. You want to know how yes. she gets her armor? Brendel Hux, the ship that he crashes in on her planet, is, oh. one, of, is one of is one of Palpatine's like the boot the I don't know the not yachts. One of those. Oh, I think I've heard had. this that, that it came yeah. from a that it came from like yep. Palpatine's yep private the, the, like yep yeah nice. oh, it gets better it gets better oh okay he, yes he crashes that's the ship he crashes in on her planet. And this, this is actually the very last like chapter of the book is that it's about a year after she's been recruited into the first order. She goes back to her home planet, digs up the, cause at that point the, the, the ship is completely covered with sand. She digs up, I guess enough of the ship removes the shiny chrome plating of the ship, takes it to a refinery on the planet that again, without getting into specifics, that's all part of the book. And the refinery this is really kind of, I don't want to say dumb, but it, it's, it's dumb fun. This refinery has a machine that if you put the element or the ore that you want the item made out of in it, it will reproduce anything that scans. Kind of like, I guess it's a Star Wars equivalent of 3D printing. So mm-hmm. she takes off each part of her Stormtrooper armor, her First Order Stormtrooper armor, puts it on the like I guess the scanning bay, it scans it, then she puts in part of the Nabooian yacht that, that she salvaged and actually custom makes each part of the armor for her. And she, and she does that for every single piece of it. It makes a very big point of stating that she actually has to hand install all the equipment into the helmet because it's it's because obviously the machine the machine's not that Intricate it cannot design a helmet with all the different apparatus, apparatus, or whatever is apparatuses that the normal helmets come with. So she actually has to hand design. She actually customizes it, and that's how the book ends. That's how she creates her um, chrome armor. Neat. So that's it. Like I guess I don't know if I'd recommend Phasma. Like it's one of those things. If somebody can give you a summary of it, like I have, do that. Um, if, or if, if Wikipedia ever does a, a point-by-point breakdown, I don't think it's worth reading because a lot of it's just it feels like, like the Lord of the Rings where it's like, oh, they're going on an adventure. And that's fine. Doesn't really add much to Phasma. Phasma still – and I think that's deliberate once again because I do think Delilah Dawson was in the, 
in the position of, okay, I want to give a backstory to this character, but I still want her to remain aloof and certain things like that where we don't know what's constantly running through her head. So concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at KOV Podcast. Make sure to check out SkywardFunSupply.com for all your toy needs. If you like what you hear, or if you don't, please leave us a review on iTunes. For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter, at RogueKnight, K-N-I-T-E. Where can people find you guys? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SWMegafan. That's S-W-M-E-G-A-F-A-N. This is uh, Jim. I can be found on Twitter at uh, uh, JT Star Destroyer. And you can find me on my podcast, Zing This. That is Z-E-N-G This. And that's also on Twitter and everywhere else. Oh, and you can also find me on Knights of Vader podcast. Oh, wait. I'm on that one now. Oh, man. We got meta. We got meta. Hey, I broke the fourth wall, guys. I need to go put it back up. Oh, snap. You can hear it falling down right now. Well, we can never turn back from that. All righty, guys. Have a good one. Right. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye.